Welcome back to the Legionnaire Podcast. Um, I think we're doing a solo one today, at least for this one. I I know Cal is not going to watch this movie. I unfortunately did go watch this movie. I thought I skipped the last Marvel movie review, and I probably shouldn't skip the next one. So we're here to talk about The Eternals. The newest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie to come out. And currently, there's a lot of question up in the air. And if the movie is actually as bad as the reviews are out to say, it's currently sitting at a 48% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 84% audience score. Now, that being said, most people only look at the critic score. Um... When they look at the reviews, they, they see the critics and they're like, oh, they think to themselves, the critics know everything. On IMDb, the movie is sitting at a 6.8 as well, though. So it begs the question, is the movie really as bad as the people are saying it is? Now, I went to go see this movie with my friend Michael last night. We did the Black Widow review. Um, We've seen every Marvel MCU movie together since Iron Man 3. Yeah, we've gone. So every movie since Iron Man 3, we have gone to see on the opening day on either Thursday or Friday, depending on the movie. So we weren't going to break suit. We were going to go see this one. But uh, this is one of the first ones that him and I were both not super excited to see. And I haven't really enjoyed the Marvel movies that much this year. So going into this, I was kind of hoping that my, I was going into it way more open-minded and being thinking to myself, Hey, this might actually be a really fun movie. I hope it's good. I'm looking forward to it. I was wrong. I didn't really like this movie much at all. Again. I don't know where to begin with this. I, here's what I'll say. If you are if you enjoy Marvel movies and you love them and those are the only movies you've seen, you might like this. It's possible. But it was... There was a lot in this movie that just didn't stick well with me. It's not that it's a bad movie, I would say, because there are bad movies that are made. This movie is just really boring. I think the Eternals is just very, very boring. I wasn't engaged at all during the movie. Um, The story itself just was lackluster, and I wasn't a fan of it. I'm avoiding spoilers right now. I'm going to get into some spoiler talk, but I'll make sure I emphasize that. But I thought the cast was great. I thought they were, for the characters that were written for them, I thought they did a great job playing them. My standouts were obviously the ones that I was most excited for. Richard Madden, uh, Kit Harington, And then also, I mean, someone else that I enjoyed during the movie. The two other ones that I wasn't expecting to enjoy as much. But uh, Gemma Chan as Cersei. She was a good she was a good female lead and I enjoyed her character a lot. But then uh, Barry Keoghan. I don't know how to say his name, but he played Druig in the movie. And I kind of enjoyed his performance. I liked his character. I thought he was interesting, but I also had some issues with him and the way that he sort of used his powers in a perverted way. But it's tough. 
it's tough for me to talk about this movie, I guess, without going into spoilers and saying why I didn't like the movie. But I guess here's what I'll say. If you're a big Marvel fan, you're a diehard MCU, you you love all the movies, you've seen all of them. You could watch it in theaters, but also you're not really, at least from seeing this, you're not really missing much if you don't watch this movie. To me, it didn't seem like a lot had happened and I wasn't at the edge of my seat like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And not like every Marvel movie needs to be like that, but I don't know. I just haven't been, I've enjoyed the Marvel TV shows this year more than I've enjoyed the movies. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, great TV show. WandaVision, great TV show. Loki, phenomenal. What if, eh, nah, it was okay. Wasn't super hot on it. Hawkeye looks super fun. Now we look at the movies. Black Widow, eh, kind of boring. Shang-Chi, it's a good movie. I just wasn't like, I think it was kind of overhyped for me. Same as um, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Black Panther. Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm really hoping that one, I sit different with that one. Because I, right now I'm kind of over three with enjoying Marvel movies this year. Shang Chi was easily the best one this year. It's a it's a very good movie, but The Eternals is mm, kind of stinky in my opinion. That's all spoiler free talk. I guess I should get into actual spoilers for the movie though. Oh, where to begin? So I assume that everyone who's listening to this, you should watch the movie now if you're at the spoiler part. And if you don't care, then you just don't care. But so my biggest like just can problem with the movie is just how boring and confusing this plot is. Like it just was so it's not a hard plot to follow, but when you pay attention to it and you see what's happening, I kind of just think to myself, why is this happening right now? This doesn't make any sense to me. And it's just, it felt kind of stupid. So the Eternals being sent to earth to protect humans from deviance. I was like, okay, this is cool. I can get behind this. This might be interesting. But then the, big plot twist in the movie that we find out is that the Eternals are actually programmed like robots sort of I don't know if I would say robots is a term but they're programmed by the Celestial Arshem and Arshem had made them to fight the other beings that he created being the Deviants and the Deviants had evolved and that was the flaw in their programming in quotes the flaw in their programming was that they evolved and that they were going to eat the human race blah 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 and i'm sitting there i'm like so so you made the eternals to fight the deviants because they were the apex predator but then we find out that the planets are there's like a celestial seed that's placed inside the planets and the population race has to reach a certain amount before a new celestial is born. So in this movie, there's the celestial Tiamat, I think his name was, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but the human population had to reach a certain number 
for it to for the celestial to be born <laughs> that just is to me that's just stupid i hear that and i'm like why why does there need to be a certain is the celestial gonna eat the humans like why does this need to happen can't he just be born after a certain period of time it just didn't make any sense to me so i just i and i don't want to rip on like the director uh is it chloe Zhao? i think it is i think that's how you pronounce her last name she's a great director she has a lot of accolades behind her along with the cast they do a great job with their performances and their characters are fine it's just what is in this movie is not enjoyable at all in my opinion it's just so boring i sat there for two hours and 40 minutes beyond bored i wasn't really engaged because the story kept jumping around at points where we start out with them uh like right when they get to earth it's i don't know like 500 bc possibly and then they save some humans from fishing that's fine and then we cut to different point we cut to the present day then where it's i think it's 2023 where these movies now take place it's 2023 and we sort of catch up with the eternals and see what they're doing and then we cut back to babylon back in like i don't even know if i don't know what the time period of it was but we kept jumping around at different points to explain how these characters have changed and what's happened with them and i thought that was a bit of a goofy way for storytelling like i would have preferred it if they just did it more streamlined in a sense where we'll start off in 500 bce we'll go to babylon then we'll go to the medieval ages and then we'll all split apart but i don't know i just i didn't like how they kept jumping around in different time periods um one of my next big just questions and things that didn't make sense was the deviant i don't even know who it was but i guess he was able to take the eternal's powers from them and that's how he evolved in the, into the apex predator also kind of the metaphors and foreshadowing were a little like blatantly obvious in this because in the beginning of the movie they talk about cersei becomes a teacher or a professor she's a teacher for uh, a school in london and she talks about the apex predator and she asks the class oh what is the apex predator oh it's the highest in its food chain and i sit there well yeah this is funny because you know you guys are eternals and you're the highest in your food chain but it just i didn't understand how the deviants were all of a sudden able to absorb powers from the eternals i thought that was kind of interesting but kind of just oh this can happen because it just can now um <clears throat> i it the movie was just all over the board for me i didn't think there was a lot of streamlined things that made sense with it <sighs> i'm trying to think of some other examples that i can provide that'd be a little that would be a little bit better I know I mentioned a little about the perverse use of Druig's powers in the movie, which each of the Eternals have different powers. So and they could have, they'd use them in creative ways, but also I feel like they could have used them in a much better way. Cersei is able to sort of manipulate matter and change things. She can change like a tree into a rock or she could turn a bus into leaves or rose, rose petals. As we see Richard Madden as Icarus, he's, 
kind of like Superman, but he can only shoot lasers out of his eyes and he's super strong. Angelina Jolie is Thena. She's super strong. She's a warrior, which is cool. Uh, Selma Hayek as Ajax. She can heal herself. Kumal, I'm not going to try saying the last name because I'm not great with last names and I know I'm going to butcher, but he played Kingo. I thought his powers were kind of lazy and lackluster, just shooting pistol blazers out of his arms. I was like, okay. Uh, Leah McHugh's Sprite, just a ripoff Loki in my opinion. I didn't think she was that interesting of a character. Her arc was kind of cool, but I just thought that she was just... I, I wasn't a big fan. Again, not... Liam McHugh, she did a great job with the performance. It's just the character herself was kind of bland. I wasn't the biggest fan of. Um, this is an interesting one then. Brian Tyree Henry, who played Fastos, is the first openly gay superhero. I don't know if these are superheroes that we'd say, but he's the first gay superhero, at least in the Marvel movies, that is sort of in the forefront for this. And there's a lot of talk going around about this, actually, which I feel like I should just... I feel like I, it's it'd be foolish for me not to talk about it, but people are saying that, oh, this movie's getting review bombed because it's it has a gay superhero in it. We see a, a kissing scene between them, and that's why it's getting such bad reviews. I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know that Fastos was gay during the movie. I was, I was just watching the movie, and then they had the fastos's husband or his partner i don't know if they're married but he had kissed him on the cheek and i didn't think anything of it and then by the end of the movie where we see their son on the farm at ajax farm i was like oh those two are together and i just didn't like look if you're complaining about there being a homosexual superhero in this movie and that's your biggest problem with it you have a lot of other issues going on in your life, my friend. Like that, sh- that shouldn't even matter at all. I don't get why people. First off, if people actually have a have that as a complaint for their movie, that's just laughable. Like, grow up. But also, for news articles just to go out and start saying, "Oh, everyone is saying that this movie is bad just because it has an openly gay superhero." It's like, okay, well, first off. Do we know that? We shouldn't just jump to conclusions and say that. But anyways, I, I Fastos was an interesting character, but he also was just kind of, he had one cool scene at the end where him and Icarus had their fight scene and he was sort of chaining him down. I thought that was a fun and interesting use of the technology that he has, but I just didn't think that it was super, super interesting. Um, Lord and Ridolf as Makari, she was my favorite just because it was the way that they shot her speed speedster scenes. I thought those were cool. The way that the, the way that she moved around and it just, I always like watching speedsters run and Quicksilver was kind of done dirty. So I think he was, I think she, I apologize. I think she was, it was fun to watch her play her character and she was, um, she was a deaf character. So they American sign language shout out. It was fun being able to watch them sign to her, but then also sometimes they didn't sign to her. So I was confused with that because I guess she can, I don't know if she could read lips or the vibrations of the noise. I didn't know how that worked. I, that confused me as well. They kind of just glossed over that briefly. It seemed like uh, Barry Keoghan as Druig. I enjoyed his character to an extent because he can mind control people and he wanted to stop the humans from having conflict with one another. 
but then I question why do you have this power to begin with if you want to prevent if you can't prevent human conflicts because the whole thing is we're not allowed to interfere if it's human conflict we can only interfere if deviants are involved so then I'm like so what use is your power then if you can't use it on humans and it doesn't work on deviants because we've never seen him use it on a deviant so I was just confused at why Arashem even programmed him with that power to begin with. It didn't make a lot of sense to me if he couldn't use it on humans to begin with. But he said about how he wants to prevent humans from fighting one another and he wants to make them, he wants to save humanity. But then he controls them, which I mean, it's an oppressor type of lens that you can look at something with, but it just felt he seemed so enlightened. I sound like such a dork saying that, but he seemed like he was aware of why the Eternals were sort of, um, what's a good, he seemed woke enough to understand that what they were doing wasn't the full potential of what they should be doing. But then he also just goes back on it and he just starts mind controlling the humans to doing what he wants them to do. So I was like, this feels like an inconsistency, but okay, sure. Um, Gilgamesh, he was there, comic relief kind of. I mean, he, him as an eternal was fine, but I wasn't really freaking out that much over him. But so those were the main group of eternals, and there's a lot of them, but it didn't feel like a lot to follow. But this is just the thing, though, none of them really stood out to me. Richard Madden stood out to me because I loved him in Game of Thrones and I was excited to see what was going to happen with him. But I just... uh, There wasn't any like standout characters. Gemma Chan, I would say, is the only standout because she's the lead of the movie. And it was... I like... She's a beautiful actress and her character was... Her powers are cool, but I felt like, again, they were just underutilized. They could have used her powers in such a cool way, but they just didn't. Uh, there's just so much in this movie that it just it felt so off-paced and all over the board and i i didn't understand why they tried to do so much with the movie oh man i it's just ah this one really mind boggles me because i don't know what they were doing at marvel with this one i i just I really wanted to like this movie because I watched the trailers and I was like, ah, this doesn't look good, but I want to like the movie because I don't, it's way too easy to hate on things. I think now it's way too easy to just say, ah, this isn't good. So I'm going to hate on it because just because it's way too easy to do that now. So I try to look at things and see how they're good, but there wasn't just a whole lot of great things for me in this movie. I mean, even the fight scenes themselves, they were bland. The choreography wasn't that outstanding to me. Um, I, I couldn't tell you about something that I really loved during this movie besides Makari's running scenes. I thought those were fun to watch. But it was just like two hours and 38, 40 minutes, however long it is, of me just being unengaged and bored the whole time. Uh, 
And the third act, let me just get started on the third act, because the third act of this movie is just beyond all over the place. So the Eternals all get together and like all the emergence is going to happen. We need to stop it from happening. Ajak is dead. Ajak is the leader of the group. You've already seen the movie. You know this. But so Ajak is dead and plot twist. Richard Madden, Icarus. I like how I just call him Richard Madden. Icarus had killed Ajak. And that was like one of the big plot twists in the movie. And he had killed her because she didn't want to go through with the emergence. She was tired of wiping their memories, all the Eternals memories and giving them mad weary. And she just knew that it was a, it was, it was incorrect of them to destroy one planet to spawn new life. And it's a, it's a fun moral dilemma to look at where it's sort of, I mean, I thought of Spock a lot from uh, what's Wrath of Khan, where the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And in this sense, the entire planet of Earth had to die to spawn a new celestial, which would give even more life. But again, you're taking you're taking a life to give more life. So it's like there's that moral dilemma of is this actually worth it, and why do we have to do this? But Icarus thought that Ajax was wrong and that they needed to go through with it. So he's like, all right, Ajax, go get eaten by the deviants. I'm going to push you off into a, I don't even know. He pushed her off the edge in Alaska and she fell on the ice and she stood no chance. That's another question I had too. Why? So after Babylon or whatever, the last time that they had met up was before they all separated, they had said, all right, all the deviants are wiped out. We're good to go. We're we're all good here. Everything's fine, fine and dandy. And then all of a sudden, the deviants just came back. Like, how did they come back? Didn't they kill all of them? How did they miss any of them? That's. Are you certain then, when you go to other planets, that you didn't miss any of the other deviants? Like, where's the consistency here? I'm confused. Um. <clears throat> but so Icarus plot twist he was the bad guy in air quotes but they're all bad guys because they're all just mass genocide maniacs they've done this to hundreds of other planets they just don't remember it um but so we need someone to fight because they can't fight a volcano celestial coming out of the earth's core for this movie which is just such a goofy plot in my opinion it's so i feel like i was watching like a godzilla movie like godzilla vs kong or something i don't know but so they fight icarus throughout the third act and it just it was boring it wasn't fun and when sprite showed up and she was posing as ajax to cersei it was interesting and i mean her motives were correct because sprite looks like a kid and she's living among the human race so for how 5000 years 7000 years however long i think it was 7000 years there on earth she has stayed the same age looking like a 12 year old or i'm not sure 10 or 12 years old so you i understand her motive where she wants them to all die because she's sick of looking at like the same age and she can't, you know, experience something romantic where you see Cersei experiencing love with 
uh, Dane Whitman, Kit Harrington's character that he'd played, or with Richard Madden, Icarus. So when you see Sprite sort of have these motives, I they're warranted, but again, it's just, there wasn't enough development there, and it kind of just, I mean, you see it throughout the movie, like tiny little shades of um, envy, and not gluttony, but just disappointment and shame and envy when she looks at Cersei, which they sprinkle it, but then just in the third act, she's like, I'm not happy because I've looked 12 my entire life and the entire human race needs to die now. It's like, well, hold up. You were just chilling like a week ago with Cersei, though, so this doesn't make sense. But so... And don't even get me started. I was mad. I was mad already that Icarus was a bad guy because I love Richard Madden and I wanted him to join the Avengers or whatever. I don't know how they're going to get them to team up for this next big Avengers level threat, but I loved him. I love Richard Madden. He's such a handsome man. They stopped Tiamat, the new Celestial, from being born on the planet. And that was so goofy watching him come out of the planet of like the Earth's core. All these things are happening. He's coming out in, I don't know, Fiji or wherever he's emerging from the volcano from. I'm sitting there. I'm thinking the entire world has to be just rumbling right now. Like they have to be feeling the sort of effect that's happening on the planet. Where is, what is everyone else doing? Like, what is Dr. Strange doing? What is the Hulk doing? What is Captain America doing? What are all of our heroes doing right now while this is happening? This doesn't make sense to me, but he comes out of the volcano and Cersei's able to stop him and Icarus is, looks at her and he's like i'm sorry i did the wrong thing i love you i and then he flies off and this is where i was like you better not freaking do the stupid uh, this is a greek story icarus flew too close to the sun and his wings burned off and he fell to the ground well what happens to icarus in this movie he flies into the sun and dies because he was ashamed of what he had done. And I'm just like, really? You couldn't be more on the nose with the metaphor of him flying in the sun? I mean, it was cool, but I was just bummed because it was a waste of a good actor, in my opinion. I wasn't happy with that. The cinematography was fine. There were some decent shots in the movie. Not really much I can complain about. The score was good. I enjoyed that as well. But there was one god-awful CGI shot, actually. And I think it's after we get on Kingo's plane. That's something else I want to talk about. Kingo is just absent the entire third act, fighting the, uh, the Emergence and Icarus. He was just not there. I was like, where is he? Why is he not here right now? He just wasn't there. And then we see him at the end where they send Sprite off to school because Cersei had given her the ability to become conveniently aged now so she can be like a normal human. Oh, that's real convenient that you have that power left from the Unimind. Oh, man. There's just, there were so many plot holes and confusing things in this that I didn't like. Angelina Jolie's character was bland i mean 
I wanted to like this movie so bad, but it was just boring. I was bored. It's not a bad movie, I guess. It's just very boring. There, There's not a lot of engaging, exciting things that happen in this movie. It's different from all the other Marvel movies, but it's just, it's kind of just there. It's, I don't know. And the humor fell flat for me. This is one of the first ones where I have been watching the movie and I sit and think to myself, man, these jokes just really are not like landing well with me. There was maybe one that I thought was kind of funny, but there wasn't one joke where I was like, this is really funny. Like when I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy or Infinity War, I'm like, oh, these jokes are actually enjoyable or Spider-Man. I enjoy the humor in those movies. This one was just, it fell flat. It wasn't, it's like your typical Marvel humor, but I don't know if I'm getting worn out of the comic relief or if it just wasn't good. It might be a mix of both, but I I don't know. The one thing I thought was funny and that I kind of enjoyed, I love Kit Harrington's character, Dane Whitman. He was... Dane Whitman, we get a little teaser. I'll okay. I'll save the two end credit scenes for the end. But it, I I enjoyed Kit Harrington in this movie for the limited time that he was in. But it was funny because he has a love interest with um, Gemma Chan's character Cersei, and it's just funny because Kit Harrington used to play Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. So hearing him say to a character named Cersei that he loves her, like. This is so weird right now hearing Jon Snow say, I love you, Cersei. Like, yo, pump the brakes, Jon. This woman is going to, you know, bring shame to you and make you walk through the streets and they're going to bring shame. But I thought that was funny. Um, But yeah, the two end credit scene. I got the first one spoiled for me. Shout out to whoever leaked that on social media harry styles uh turns out to be then this is where i was engaged in the movie but but so a group of eternals they leave it was thena makari druig and i think that was all yeah that was all that had left but they went to go warn other eternals and other planets about They had gone to warn them and say, hey, you guys are programmed. Your memory gets wiped after every emergence. Stop this. We're here to enlighten you. And they sort of let out a call to um, to all the Eternals out there, and they're trying to find some. But so this is where then we get the big reveal for the end credit scene where we see... Harry Styles come on screen and the teaser is that he is Thanos's brother Eros and he is with his friend Pip voiced by Patton Oswalt which I immediately heard the voice I was like I know this guy and Eros who is the brother of Thanos and apparently the royal prince of Titan even though Titan is just not even a planet anymore or it's there's no people left for them to rule but he shows up and 
he's like, all right, let's go save your friends from Arishan. Because at the end of the movie, I always thought about this. They stopped the emergence from happening. And they're like, we stopped Tiamat. We stopped the emergence. Let's go, team. And like a couple days later, they send Sprite off to school. And then all of a sudden, just like out of nowhere, Arishem is like looking over the planet Earth. And he like reaches his hand out and he like pulls all the Eternals left on Earth. He pulls Kingo, Cersei, Sprite and fastos he pulls them out and he's like you stopped a life from being born and saving this earth i am going to look into your memories and see if this is worth the sacrifice that you had made and then he just like creates a black hole and they all disappear and they go somewhere else i thought to myself so wait you guys are stopping the emergence but arshem is going to know if a celestial is born or not like he's been following you guys this whole time and you're just not planning for that little fact that that's going to happen so it just was it was kind of goofy to me because I was expecting them to think of that, but they didn't. Whatever. It was funny, though. But so then the second end credit scene sort of follows up with that where Kit Harrington, uh, Dan, Dane, I apologize, Dane Whitman, he was with Cersei when she sort of got sucked up by Arshem and got taken away. And he he sort of seems like, I need to get her back, or he has that mentality. Like, yeah, good luck, buddy, trying to open a wormhole and go halfway across the universe trying to find her. But so the end credit scene then is him looking at the ebony blade. And he says, um, when he opens up the box that has the blade in it, he says, death is my reward. It's a it's in a foreign language, but it translates to "death is my reward." Um, and he pulls out the ebony blade, which then I assume would allow him to have the powers of the Black Knight, which is a famous Marvel character who I think he leads the Avengers at one point, which I'm excited for. I enjoyed that end credit scene as well. I would rather have watched that as a movie instead of this. <laughs> but there's someone else at the end of the screen, at the end of the scene, this end credits the second end credit scene a voice says to dane he's like are you sure you're ready for this and the uh the director of this movie chloe she had said that it's confirmed that that was mahersha ali's blade who had asked them that i don't know how accurate this is i saw this on instagram so i should probably confirm this actually real quick but blade the eternals So, and it looks like I'm reading Mahersha Ali's Blade is the voice in the Eternals post credit scene, which is cool because we got announced that there's going to be a Blade movie, and I'm excited to see Black Knight, but there just, this wasn't enough to, these were the only two scenes that I was interested in. <clears throat> I thought the plot was just very lackluster and all over the board, and it there's a lot of just questionable things that didn't make sense. I just wanted I wanted more from it and I wanted it to be more cohesive and not so goofy. And it was it's not even go- I say goofy in like a bad way. Like the Suicide Squad is a goofy movie, but it's a fun goofy movie. This just wasn't fun. It was boring. And this isn't to rip on 
the director or any of the people who worked on this movie, it's not easy to make a movie. I know that. I, I don't know that actually. I, I shouldn't say I know that. Um, but I can't imagine it's easy to do these sort of things. But it's just, I question the story, the screenplay, and just how this all came to fruition. The performances were great for what was given to them. The story itself is lackluster. The director, Chloe Zhao, is a very... She's a good director. She's had... I don't blame this like poor performance on her. On her. I apologize. I'm, I can't speak today. But... Yeah. It's just... It's a very lifeless movie. It's not It's not as fun as I was hoping it was going to be. I was really hoping for the best for this, even though there was a lot of red flags in the trailer. Uh, and at the end, I mean, is The Eternals really as bad as people are saying it is? Yeah, I'd say it is. It's very bland. But if you're a diehard Marvel fan, you're like, I need to see it, go ahead and see it. But if you're, I, I'm a diehard Marvel fan, so I see all the movies. But I mean, even if like you're a semi casual Marvel fan, you're like, mm, I'm debating on going to see this. You can, but you could also skip it. You're not really missing much. It's, it's not a lot happens in this movie that changes the game. I'd give it like a five or a six out of 10, six pushing it, probably a five. But yeah, that's, that's my solo Eternals review. I guess if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share with someone else who you think would enjoy it. Um, if you have any questions, you can shoot us a DM on Instagram at Legionnaire pod, or you could shoot us an email at legionairepodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, we're trying to engage with our audience more. So if you got any requests or you want us to talk about something or have any questions, feel free to shoot it our way and we'd be more than happy to to chat about it. But here's to here's to No Way Home being better. Oh, that's a whole can of worms as well. But I'm not gonna do the closing like Cal does. I don't I don't have the energy. He he's got some he does it better than I do, so I might just like cut this off. But with that, I appreciate the listen. Thank you very much.